scripture reading is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32, the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. So it was the year of 2004. Jen and I decided to go to a one-week all-inclusive trip to Margarita Island in Venezuela. So during that trip, we were playing some beach volleyball with the locals there and some of the workers. And while we were playing, I went up for a spike, like you do when you play volleyball. 
But because the ball was on the left side of my body, I swung with my left hand, which I usually don't. And I had a ring on my finger, and as soon as I hit the ball, I felt the ring fall off. And I remember landing and saying, stop, everyone stop, we got to stop playing, my ring. And everyone stopped, and the locals are like, what's going on? And I said, it's, it's my wedding ring, my wedding ring, I can't find it, it dropped somewhere. And so we all stopped playing and, and started looking around to find this ring that I dropped on the sand. And after looking for a little while, I couldn't find it. And so, you know, if it was just any other ring, I wouldn't care, right? But it's my wedding ring, the ring that symbolized my love for my wife and this eternal commitment, and I lost it. And so we said, okay, no more volleyball, let's, let's search for it. And so people were helping me look. And you know, as you do when you lose something, you try to kind of see where you could have lost it, right? So I looked just right in front of me, scanning the ground, looking for my ring, at the same time not trying to st step in places to bury it even more. But after a while, couldn't find the ring. And, and so people started giving up, right? And, you know, so the locals were like, oh, I'm so sorry. But they went on and did their own thing. The workers all, all again said sorry and, and went on and did their stuff. And so it was just me and Jin now left searching. And so I was like, oh, no, I can't give up, right? I got to keep searching. Uh, but it got to the point where even my wife gave up searching, and it was just me searching for that ring. She would go and get me a drink because I, was, I wasn't stopping. I kept on going. And I got to a place where I was just like, you know, I'm going to just start digging. So I just started like digging holes, looking and searching, and trying to find this ring. It's, you know that phrase, trying to find a needle in a haystack? That's what it felt like in looking for this ring. Finally, Jen told me to stop. You, you know, you're not going to find it. It's gone. And so I gave up. I thought for sure that ring was gone. Have you ever lost something that was valuable to you? Depending on the value of the thing that you lose, the longer you would go and search for it. The less valuable an item is for you, the less time you would search for that item. So it's in the story we're looking at today that in the story of this, this uh, the story called the prodigal son is the third story of things that have been lost. In the first story, we see that the shepherd has lost, lost one sheep out of a hundred. In the second story, we see a woman that loses one coin out of ten coins. And in this story, there are two sons and the father loses one son out of the two. And in the story, we see that the younger son asks his father for his inheritance. He asks his father for his inheritance before his father is dead. It's almost as if saying, Father, I wish you were dead so I could have your, my inheritance that I would receive if you were dead. Well, if not dead, at least give me the money I deserve or I should get when you are dead. And let me just go and live my life as I want. Meaning, I don't really want anything to do with you except give me my money. 
And during this time, during Jesus' time, there were instances where the land would have been given to their sons uh, before the father has died, but it would be given over so that the sons could manage it. And if the land was ever sold, the money would go back to the father. Here we see that the father divides the land up, and because there are two sons, the custom of that time would have been that the older son would have received two-thirds of the share, and the younger son one-third of the share. But in our story, we see that the son not only inherits the land that's been divided, but sells it and and takes the money and then leaves home. The son goes to a far-off, distant country and wastes his money on wild living. He doesn't want to be near his father or this community, his community, and would rather be far away somewhere, living as he wants. But just like in any of those movies or, or in real life when people party too hard for too long, he spends all of his money and due to a famine is broke, is homeless, and has no friends. He has hit rock bottom. He has hit rock bottom to the point that he has to go get a job feeding pigs. Not only feeding pigs, but wishing that he could eat the food that the pigs were eating. And in the Jewish world, when people would have heard this, they would have been shocked. They would have known that this has gone too far. Pigs were considered unclean, and so they were not to be raised or even to be touched. The fact that the son had no other choice but to feed pigs, working under a Gentile, was as low as one can go. And it's once he gets to this place of hitting rock bottom, he comes to his senses. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. So he got up and went to his father. The son came to his senses or literally came to himself. That he realized that this isn't who he is or the way he should live. He gets to the point of desperation and understanding that that he can go home to his father's house because even the servants there have enough food to eat. So he decides to prepare a speech for his father, to ask for his forgiveness and to come home, but not as a son, but as a slave. He did spend, in fact, all of his inheritance. He asked his father for it, which would have been very offensive And now he has nothing left. And so he understands that he could only return home and be possibly be a servant. And as I mentioned before, this story is the third story of the series of three stories. And I believe the key to understanding this story is to read the reason why these three stories were even told. Just like an introduction or a preface to a book, Luke writes these three, three stories of Jesus with a purpose. Luke 15, verse 1 to 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
Jesus tells these three parables in response to the muttering and complaining of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. What were they complaining about? Jesus welcomed tax collectors and sinners. Not only did he welcome them, but he even ate with them. The Pharisees would have never been seen, would never be seen eating with these kind of people because it would mean that they themselves would be unclean. They even had a saying that went something like this. Let a man never associate with a wicked person, not even for the purpose of bringing him nearer to the Torah. The Torah that means so much to the Pharisees, the laws that they were trying to keep and to be very holy, not even for that purpose should a Pharisee hang out with a wicked person. So the fact that Jesus would not only associate with tax collectors and sinners, but would also eat with them was just wrong. This wasn't the first time the Pharisees complained about who Jesus hung out with. In Luke chapter 5, the Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples, why do you eat with, what do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The lost son has decided to go home. He had a speech ready and maybe practicing his speech on the way home. But while he was still a long way home, his father sees him. Maybe the father came and looked out daily over the horizon, hoping that his son would return. And so Jesus says that the father, filled with compassion, or in the Greek, which literally means moved in the inward parts, that is, he was filled with so much love, joy, relief, that he runs to his son, throws his arms around him, and kisses him. And the son now tries to say to his father, you know, the, the speech that he's prepared. It's almost as if, but, but the father doesn't even care. The father's like, no. It's almost as if he was so overjoyed that, that his son has come home, all was forgiven. It didn't matter. He wanted to celebrate because he was just glad that his son was lost, who was lost, was found. And one of the key themes of the three stories is the joy that is felt and celebrated when the thing that was lost was found. Whether it was the lost sheep, the lost coin, or the lost son, when each of these things were found, there was much celebration and joy because of the value of the item that was found. It wasn't just because the item itself was valuable, but because of what it meant to the person who lost it. See, I, w I thought for sure I lost my ring. The next day, I was by the poolside and, you know, trying not to re, you know, re, uh, just imagine and replay the scene over in my head of, of what happened and thinking, why did I even have my ring on? I should have taken it off, right? You're thinking all these things. And one of the workers who I was playing volleyball with said, hey, did, did my friend come and talk to you? I'm like, why? He's like, he said he found your ring. I was like, what? He did? So, you know, well, I could have been just like, oh, that's great. Let me just sit here and just enjoy my, my, my cocktail, and I'll just go get it later. No, right? Like, I, I got up. I'm like, where is this guy? i got to go find him because he's found my ring. 
So I'm looking for the guy, and I see him way afar, and he sees me, and, you know, we make eye contact, and we both, like, light up, right? And it's like those movies, you know, when you're, like, running towards each other, right, all happy, and, and we get together, and we're, like, hugging, and then showing me the ring. I'm like, whoa, you know, I put it on, and it was, it was magical. Now, if I would be so overjoyed over a ring, how much more would I celebrate over one of my children being found? Like, I can't imagine, Jer I could imagine Jeremy's parents, right? That though they may have been a little bit upset that he went off somewhere, that was the least of their worries. They weren't worried about being upset and making sure I need to discipline my child. They were just worried that their son was lost. And they would do anything and everything to find that child. I would never stop searching for my son. So we see in our story that the father throws a party to celebrate the return of his younger son. The younger son isn't welcomed as a servant or a slave, but as the father's son. In all three stories, there's rejoicing over something or someone that was lost. Another common theme related to this rejoicing is the idea of repentance. At the end of the lost sheep parable, Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing heaven in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. At the end of the story of the 10 lost coins, Jesus says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And in the last story, the younger son repents. That is, he literally turns around from his current, current direction, the way he was living, and turns back to the father, which is the meaning of what it means to repent. What is important about this is that Jesus is explaining to the Pharisees who considered themselves too holy to hang out with tax collectors and sinners that the kingdom of heaven is for those who are repentant and understands their need for God, or as Jesus would say, those who are poor in spirit than those who think they don't need God. One difference in the last story, though, is that the story doesn't end with the repentance and celebration of the younger son, but it continues with the older son. The older son is returning from the field from a hard day's work and hears loud music and dancing coming from the house. So he's, he's asking one of the servants, what's going on? And the servant tells the son, the older son, that his younger brother has come home. And we're told that the older brother is angry and didn't want to go in. Listen to what, what happens. So the younger son doesn't want to go in, is angry. So his father, in verse 28, his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving over you, for you, and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The son is upset. 
He's the one that's never left. He's the one that's been slaving over and taking care of the farm. He's the one that's never left home. One of the things that we have to remember here is that when the younger son asked for his inheritance, the older son got his portion, which was two-thirds. He had double portion of what the younger son had. And here the son seems to think that he has been slaving for his father when the land he was working on was his own land. He was working as a son and not as a slave, but here the older son feels as though he was a slave. But I get it, right? Like if I was the older son, I could see how the older son could feel bitter about what had happened. I'm the one that was faithful. I'm the one that stayed home. What about me? I can see how the older son is bitter and even maybe resented the younger son. And let's look at how the older son addresses his brother. Verse 30. It says, when this son, so this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, meaning, and here we have new information. The son seems to know what this wild living entailed. You killed a fattened calf for him. See that? He, it says, he says, the older son says, this son of yours. This son of yours is not just the father's son, though. He is the older son's brother. The father here reminds the older son or older brother that, first of all, that whatever the father has is already yours. And he should have known that, right? Because that was part of his inheritance. And secondly, the younger son is that. Uh, it's not just my son. He is also your brother. If you look at verse 31, my son, he calls the older brother. The, fa the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because... This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. It's not this son, it's not my son, but it's also your brother who was lost and found. He is your brother, not just my son. He should also be valuable to you. Why couldn't the older brother be, be, why couldn't the older brother be happy for his father, but also for himself? When the worker found my ring, he was not only happy for me, but he celebrated with me and shared in the joy because he was the one that found the ring for me. Why was there so much joy? Because of the value that the thing that was lost had been found. If I knew someone that I cared about lost something that was very valuable to them, and if I could help them find that, I myself would celebrate in their happiness in their joy of finding that thing that was lost. So, who are you in the story? For our children, for our kids that are listening, what I want you to know is that God loves you very much. You are very valuable to Him and is very happy when you turn to Him. For some of us who may relate to the younger son, if you are the younger son, know that God is waiting you for you to come home. He is not only waiting for you to come home or come back to him, but he is acti actively seeking you out. 
See, one of the things that I have a hard time with this story is sometimes I just think, yeah, you know, God is there as the father waiting for me, but I have to be the one that comes home. And there is some truth to that. But at the same time, remember, this is the third story of three stories in which in two of the stories, God is the one that is actively seeking a cell. And in the context of the story, which is that Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors and tells this to the Pharisees, Jesus is already out there seeking us out, eating with us, and being with us. Another thing that I have a hard time accepting is that God, when I come home, when I turn back to God, is that God would accept me as a son. The younger son had the speech prepared, and as part of his speech, the words he says is, I am not worthy to be your son. But God takes us back. He doesn't care, and he calls us his sons and daughters. If you relate to the older son, there is an invitation by God to rejoice with him. The invitation is not only to celebrate, but to seek out and search for those who are lost. Not only because they are valuable to God, they are also valuable to us. We, as the older son, are not slaving away for God, but as heirs and co-participants. And at times, the hands and feet of Jesus that hangs out with sinners and even eats with them. You know, one of the um, thoughts I had was, you know, if I was God and I had so many people in this world, like, who cares if I lose one son or one daughter? I mean, he has another one, right? Even in the story, there are two. Who cares if you lose one? You have another. I mean, God has so many children, so who cares if, if one is lost or if few are lost? Who cares if this child dies because, well, you, you have another one? But we know that's not true, right? Because we know that each child is irreplaceable. In the same way, for God, each person a sinner or not, are irreplaceable to God. Just Jesus hangs out with sinners and eats with them because they have irreplaceable value. This parable is commonly referred to as the prodigal son or the lost son, but I think a better way to understand this parable is to call it the parable of two lost sons and the compassionate, loving father. Both sons are lost in their own way. The younger son trying to live on his own, denying who he is by leaving his father's household and not wanting anything to do with the father. The older son is lost in that he does not know what it means to be part of the father's household and what the father values and cares about. He lives in the father's household working like a slave instead of a child. The father invites the older son to celebrate with him not only because the father has found his lost son, but also because the older son was also found to be his, or the, the younger son 
is also his younger brother. In both cases, the father has compassion on both sons. He welcomes the home, the prodigal, and pleads with the older son to join him in his celebration. The father loves both sons and gives space for the older son to respond. God the Father is a God of compassion and love. He sees us with the eyes of a loving parent who does not want anyone to perish. He delights in our value, our worth, not because we are valuable in ourselves, even though I say we have value, but because we are valuable to him. We matter to God. And because of this, he is the one that is actively seeking us out, eating with sinners, waiting for us as a, as a loving father, and invites us to also partner with him in seeking out our brothers and sisters who are lost. So the question is, who is Jesus hanging out with right now? And do you want to join him where he is? Let's pray. Father, your love for us is so great, so amazing, and so powerful that it goes beyond even our comprehension when we think we don't deserve it, when we think we need to somehow earn it or be a servant to you. You welcome us in with open arms. You, you are overjoyed because we mean that much to you. So God, help us to see ourselves through your eyes and not through our own. Help us to see ourselves as valuable, irreplaceable, and as your children. And as we embrace that, may we also see others as you see them. Not just as your children, but also as our siblings. So Jesus, show us where you are. So that we could also hang out with you. In your name we pray. Amen.